you haven't heard that question before, it's a question you will hear at some time because it keeps coming up all over the place. It's the question we're going to wrestle with over the next 28 minutes on this edition of The Chat Room. And doing the wrestling, Philip Jensen. Hello, Kel. If someone comes to us and says, you know, aren't all good people Christians, for a start, where's the, coming, where's the question coming from? Uh, Why do people think of that sort of thing? That's a terrific question because <laughs> it shows that you've been explaining the gospel properly. Right. It's a responsive question. So you provoked this by you've what you said. Yeah, that's right. If you don't get that question asked, I suspect it's because you're not evangelising, or if you are, you're not making it clear. Right. And, and so people are beginning to catch a glimpse of yes. what we're saying, Yes. and this is the sort of step back, the kind of rebellious right. kind of thing. That's right. See, apathy is the worst thing to, to face you when you try and explain the gospel. Yes. When someone looks at you and says, oh, yeah, good, walks away, <laughs> man, that, you've got nowhere. But if they say, no, 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 all good. Opposition is good yes. because they're, it's, it's, the gospel is actually wrangling them. And this opposition is particularly good because it's so counterintuitive, it's so unnatural for the non-Christian that they, they can't get this. So it's, it's, a good, it's a good response because yes. it means that the wheels are starting to turn. Absolutely. I remember John Chapman telling me a story about being at a beach mission. And this, he walked up and down the beach with this young bloke and he explained the gospel and the young bloke would say, but, but, but all good people are Christians. So John had explained it a different way. <laughs> and he said, by the end of the night, he'd explained about 12 different ways which Chapo can do. He can. So that's what's happening. But where does the, where does the equation come from that equates Christian with good? Uh, well, I think it's a linguistic thing. I don't know whether you could chase it out. But uh, uh, when you're in a society where everybody is Christian, at least nominally, effectively, um, then the differentiation between people is not whether they're Christians or not, but rather than whether they're good Christians or not. Yes, right. And then to say something, well, that's a very Christian thing to do, was a way of saying that's a very good thing to do. And in fact, I'm old enough to remember hearing people say that. Yes, I understand that you could be, you could actually have people up for defamation if you said they weren't Christian. Ah, right. Because you're actually saying they're immoral or decadent or yes, yes. something. Now, as a society formally has kind of moved away from Christianity, that is less the language of today. Right. So does it mean that if, if, we're, if this is the response, then what we need to come back with is talking about sin, or is that not how we well, come back? that's one of the things you can come back with and talk about sin, because clearly they haven't understood sin, yep. if they think that all good people are Christians, because they haven't understood the nature of goodness and sin and what makes a, a person... Good or not good. Who is it who's making this mistake? I mean, is it just complete outside unbelievers or are there some people who would think of themselves as being religious? Who is making yeah. the mistake? The religious people will think it all the time. Right. Um, the religious non-Christian person. Um, most people think in our culture of themselves as good. I've been yeah. fascinated with some high-ranking um, criminal uh, deaths and funerals that the family of all sorts say he was a good man. He was a good father, he was a good husband, he really cared. Everybody tends to think they're good yes. in their own lives. And so a religious person thinks that they are good and thinks that they are acceptable to God, or at least they're not as unacceptable as some other people. Yeah, we can always think of people worse than us, can't we? Yes. And that's, I mean, you measure good on, on the curve, yes, so to yeah. speak, you know, and I, I'm not brilliant, but hey, have you seen my neighbour? <laughs> and so. God would be impressed with me. I'm impressed with me. God's yes. more generous than I am, so I'll be all right. And it's got to do with good. And so it's very often the religious 
the oriented person who has the problem with this uh, misunderstanding of the gospel. In fact, when I've done gospel talks, I've sometimes said, I want you all to do a mental exercise of rate how good you are on a scale of one to ten, you know, where one is a drug dealer and ten is Mother Teresa. And, you know, don't compare yourself with your neighbour or don't give yourself the score your mum would have given you. Yes. But, you know, but how, do, how do you think God would score you? And I'm sure most people score them seven or five. Eight. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, I'm not really right out there, but <laughs> I'm sometimes, satisfactory. I'm sometimes tempted to say, anyone who's given themselves under five, would you like to stand up and explain? <laughs> but uh, So that's the problem. That's the problem. That's how I get it. And if I'm not acceptable to God, it's just because I'm six, not seven. You know, or seven, <laughs> not eight. You know, there's just that little room for a... Bit of improvement. Okay, so what do we do with that? How do we start to respond? Yeah, it's, it's a difficulty, isn't it? Because they haven't understood sin, so that's one of the ways in which we can respond. And, right. and so we can say, well, it, it doesn't matter really whether you're good or not. It matters which side of the fence you're on. Yep, yep. In part, with evangelistic conversations, you need to kind of tease the conversation along rather than just immediately dump the whole of the theology yes, yeah. of the Bible on somebody. And so to actually say it in those kinds of terms, well, you know, it depends just which side you're on, that's a change of concept for them. What do you mean which side? If they're not interested, they'll walk away from it. But yeah. which side is a critical one? Right. So uh, the good pirate is one of my favourite illustrations in life. I don't know where I pinched it from. Do the illustration for us. But you talk about a good sailor, not a good pirate. And you say, can you imagine a sailor and, and he's good at everything. He's always on time. He always looks after his, his bunk. He always serves on duty. He never falls asleep when he's on watch. He, he looks after his, his fellow crew members whenever they're sick. He always does their shift for them. He always obeys his captain in every order. He's never late getting back to ship from port. Every good thing you can ever say about a sailor, you can say about this man. But then there's one other piece of information, namely... He's flying under the skull and crossbows, you know, the, <laughs> the, the, the Jolly Rogers, isn't it? And so he's a pirate. Now, at that point, you then start to realise, well, the fact that he's such a good pirate means that he's actually advocating piracy more. If he was a bad sailor, well, he wouldn't be as good a pirate. He, he would, wouldn't be as dangerous. He wouldn't be as dangerous, but he's not. He's a really good pirate, and so he is the essence of the rebellion against the government. Now, it's not a question of whether you're a good person or a bad person, but whether you're God's person or yes. not God's person. And there are other built-in contradictions. I mean, if, if every good person is a Christian, does that mean a good atheist is a Christian? They'd be offended by that. It's, it's a very offensive thing to equate good with Christian. Yep. Um, and it has come, I, I presume, out of our Christendom of previous generations. Um, but it feeds into what every Muslim and what every Jew believes as well. That is, they're acceptable to God because they're good enough. So it's almost as though it's a default position of human nature to think, I earn my place with God. Absolutely, it is the default. And, and religion is about climbing the ladder to heaven. Yes. And uh, uh, some people climb more vigorously than others, and some of us are, you know, we're looking for the escalator, but we, we still get our way up to heaven which, of course, is so exactly opposite the Bible about God coming down to man in Christ Jesus. Which is where the temptation to just dump a whole lot of theology in one go comes. And I, and I think that's the mistake I make in conversation. And what I have to learn to do is listen more yep. carefully to where they're actually up to. That's right. 
than what they're really asking. Yeah. I mean, hypocrisy is one of the ones that I try and pick up on. So a person says, well, aren't all good people Christians? I say, oh, that's the trouble. The church is full of hypocrites. <laughs> and that's because if you think that religion and Christianity is equated with good, you only have to know a few people who aren't that good and who go to church. And, well, they're hypocrites. They claim as Christians they're good, but they aren't. And so, well, the church is full of hypocrites. Now, the people don't expect me to attack the church. Right. Uh, and so, you know, what do you mean full of hypocrites? I say, well, it's not really, of course. There's always room for one more. You can join <laughs> us next Sunday morning, 10.30 at St Andrew's Cathedral. Uh, having got rid of the joke and having laughed and having put a little pressure on them to come, um, uh, I can say, look, the problem with that is if you assume that Christian means good and good means Christian, and then you see a Christian who's not good, you then start to say, well, Christians are hypocrites. But the assumption was wrong. Christians don't claim to be good. We claim to be forgiven. So, so could we actually turn that around and use it ourselves by pointing out that the people who are Christian and genuinely Christian aren't always good? Yes. So one of the answers is to say, well, I'm not good. I'm forgiven. Right. Because you know what you've got to do to be forgiven, don't you? You've got to do something wrong. <laughs> you can never be forgiven. If you do everything right, you can't be forgiven. Only forgiven people get into heaven. So if you're really good, that's very sad because you can't get into heaven because only forgiven people get into heaven. People, find, people do find this, even Christians, even evangelical Christians. I was in a, um, a lecture theatre full of evangelical Christians when, at the time when some uh, good welfare hero uh, mm -hmm. had died. I can't remember who it was now. And the, the lecturer at the front said, so-and-so is probably in hell tonight because he had a reputation for not being uh, remotely Christian. And this room full of evangelical Christians protested. Yes. So we, it, it, it's really hard for us to get out of that automatic mindset that we're meant to be. If you're doing good stuff, God's got to approve. He's got to approve. He's got to accept me. Yeah. And, uh, but we can, we can point to motives. You, know, you, you can do good things for very bad reasons. So motive becomes part of the action? It's part of the action, part of the evaluation of the action. Right. So a, a, a man uh, sees or a woman drops a, a bundle of books outside the library. Three men race over to help her. The first man races over to help her because he sees a human in distress and needing help. The second man, because he's in the same class as she is and he needs help in his essays and he thinks he's a chance to be able to get in her good books she's so clever. she can help me. Oh, yeah. she's clever. She's a woman. The third man... He's actually been uh, looking forward for a date with her for months and trying to get an, an introduction. Here's his chance for getting an introduction. Now, it's the same event, but the moral evaluation of those three events is completely different. Yes, so, so the intention colours the action Absolutely. and makes the actions different. In Absolutely. Now, if you're not doing things for God, right. like the good pirate, you're doing things against God. So, uh, it doesn't matter what you do, it's the motivation for which you're doing it. Whereas our society will look at what you do... And even if you're doing it for your own glory, we'll say you're wonderful. That's right. Okay. What about if we're trying to break through this using that famous bombshell of yours of, you know, all the good people go to hell, only bad people go to yeah. heaven. Does, if we then go on and explain it properly, can that, because it's a shock sort of statement, can that help? Well, it can. Some people like to have their cage rattled. Right. Some people, when the cage is rattled, won't listen to anything at all. Right. Uh, it often is a matter of age, that one. The older you get, the less you want your cage rattled. 
in general, right, which right. Say. but uh, with teenagers, that kind of real shock uh, statement helps them see, hang on, you are saying something different here, I need to listen. Right. Older people tend to say, you're saying something stupid here, I'm not going to listen to you. Okay, so if we're, try- we're trying to get through this, this automatic, instinctive, default position of human beings and we work our way to God, can we appeal to the authority of the Bible or does the Bible not speak to such an inquirer yes. authoritatively? Yes. What do we do? We can, but we can appeal even uh, firstly to Christ. So when people say, oh, all good people died, you say, I wonder why Jesus died then. Right. Now, they will come up with an answer like, oh, well, he set us an example. Oh, that's funny, because lots of people have been crucified, lots of people were killed, but they all set the example. And why would he come into the earth to set that example? They say, well, then he came to teach us to be good. Oh, that's funny, because Moses did that, Elijah did that, Jeremiah. Why did God come into the world to teach us something he'd already taught us and to die in a way that other people have done anyway? How does his death save us? Now, uh, again, the Lord opens the eyes and the hearts and the minds of people. So right. the argument does and doesn't work depending on what is happening with But people. it's the gospel that he uses to open hearts and minds. If we're that's talking right. the gospel, that's the sort of stuff he works on. Yeah, and why Jesus died is a very fundamental question. Right. Because if you're saved by your good works, Jesus' death is completely unnecessary. Yes. So once we point to who Jesus is and why he came we're starting to break through that shell. That's right. And by breaking through the shell of good works, saving you, you can start pointing to Jesus and who he is and why he came. That's why this is one of those questions which is showing that you're getting somewhere evangelistically with people. Right, right. And we're trying to get them from their assumptions to where the gospel actually yep. is. Your, your friend Richard Coken had that wonderful one-line version. It's a swap. Jesus was treated as if he was us, so we can be treated as if we are him. It's, it's a good one-line thing, yes. which takes a bit of unpacking, okay, but, yeah. it, but it's a good starting point, isn't That's it? That's right. That's right. And uh, he also used a football example of, of, of you cheer for your hero because he is your representative. But actually, Jesus does even more because he runs on the field as your substitute and right. actually plays the game for you. He is both your representative, you cheer for him, but he's also your substitute. He plays it for you. So we have to explain those really basic gospel concepts yes. as clearly as we can. we can. Now, there are some great verses, though, that do help us. Right. So Jesus said, I, I have, the Son of Man comes not to call the righteous, but the unrighteous to repentance. Right. And Ephesians 2, 8, 9, 10, by grace of God you have been saved through faith, and not of works, lest any man should boast. So there are, there are lots of verses which are short, pithy, Clear, but do that yes. substitute swap, yeah, exchange, yeah. Ex- idea, yes, right. If we do, do, if someone is struggling with this, is it worthwhile to go beyond Christ and to start taking them to some of the slightly heavier theological arguments in the epistles and things like that, or is that not always a good move? It's horses for courses, so there are certain people that you need to go further and further and show things to. Yeah, but most people, this is one that is so basic and so much an assumption base that it's, it's in a sense, a simple thing. You just have to break through the fundamental basic assumption that good equals Christian, Christian equals good, that we Christians are moralists, right. not supernaturalists. Well, in fact, I've heard it turned into an accusation of you Christians 
think you're better than everyone yes, else. Yes. Because exactly. that's the same assumption expressed a different way, isn't it? The same assumption. Um, I, I listened to a tape once of uh, Francis Schaeffer, who uh, died late, 19th, uh, late in the 20th century, but he said that when he speaks at a university mission, he would always in the first talk start mentioning angels right. because that would help people know that he wasn't a moralist, he was a supernaturalist. Right. Up until then, I'd always kind of avoided mentioning angels, <laughs> lest they think that I believe in hobgoblins down the bottom of my garden or something or other. But he's right, it moves... The basic assumption that people have is that we're moralists. And right. until that assumption is removed, they, they can't hear that we're really talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God, become man to die in our place, yeah. to take us to God and pouring his spirit in, into us. I, I sometimes use the door thing. There's only one door to heaven. It's labelled forgiveness, and yes. the door is Jesus. And you're not going to go and knock on the door unless you understand you need to be forgiven. Mm. It's, we need those little package those things, don't we? Yes. My one too is I went out to the airport one day and uh, kissed my wife goodbye and the family goodbye and waved. It was back in the days when people used to go and farewell you at airports. Now they don't. <laughs> so routine. So routine. They mightn't want you back anyway. But <laughs> they all wished me goodbye. I went into the counter and uh, put my ticket down, put my passport down. The man opened it up and said... Oh, uh, uh, hello, Mr. Jensen. You, you've got a wife, Helen? I said, yes. Thinking, how, how does he know that? Yeah. I said, yes, how do you know? He said, because this is her passport. <laughs> <laughs> so, I said, well, what can I do about it? He said, you can go home and get yours. <laughs> and I said, but uh, i got to get on the plane. It was to Britain. And he said, well, you can't. Yeah. And I said, but I bought the ticket. I've got the ticket. And he said, but you haven't got the passport. Yes. I said, but what do I do? He said, you go home and, and get, you get the passport. passport. So I ran out the airport in front of my family who thought I'd gone more <laughs> mad than usual to get on a taxi to catch home and to come back. But he would not let me. I even asked him, couldn't we put me on the plane and kind of get the family to, to fax through a copy of the... No. Without a passport, I could not walk through that door. I could right. not get on the plane. Without a passport, we don't get to heaven. No. Now, the fact that I was a good citizen, the fact that I'd never been put in prison, the fact that I was telling the truth, the fact that I paid my taxes, the fact that... Complete irrelevance. Right. right. I didn't have the passport. That's, that's the key. And Jesus is the passport. Without Jesus, you can't enter. And how moral, upright, law-abiding is an irrelevance. Right. And may uh, I'm just wondering whether whether redefining the word good can be helpful, if we can help people to see that that good is not what gets you there. Yes, being being really good doesn't get yes. you there. Well, Jesus attacks our goodness. You know, out of the heart of man comes forth all manner of evil. Yes, and trying to help people see that they are not as good as they think they are is hard. It's hard. My righteousness is but as filthy rags. It's not going to wash with a lot of people. No, it doesn't really, even though it's true. Uh, I've tried it on telling lies. Yes. Uh, you know, and have you ever told a lie? Do you believe in telling lies? I'm not talking about white lies, but black lies. Do you real lies. Act real yes. lies. Do you believe that that's a good thing to do? And have you ever done it? Right. But... Well, there was an Englishman, I remember. I, I did it at church. I asked people to put their hands up if they had ever told a black lie and that kind of thing. We always get a joke out of it because someone puts their hands up saying they believe it's that black lies are good things. And so <laughs> I always say, well, I don't believe you because you tell lies. <laughs> and, and we have jokes. 
But everybody admitted by putting their hand up they were liars. So I said, all right, so we're in a room full of liars. Right. Oh, this man took terrible up. <laughs> I remember him coming out and saying to me at the door, he said, uh, it's true I've told lies, but I want you to know I am not a liar. <laughs> I mean, it's a definitional problem here of fairly great magnitude. What is a liar if it's not someone who tells lies? And what yes. is someone who tells lies if they're not a liar? Yeah, I know what he means in another sense. In another sense, I don't spend all my time only ever telling lies. No. But I want to somehow protect myself from the judgment that my actions actually are indicative of what's really my heart. I want to see myself as being better than I in fact am. In this context, can the issue of faith and works come up? With some people, particularly religious people, can it yes. be, yes, I'm, I'm trusting Jesus, but I'm a, I, as a result of that, I have to do things to respond to him, yes. which earn approval. If, if I'm doing, say, with a Roman Catholic, uh, or someone with a quaint, uh, uh, nodding acquaintance with the Bible, they'll come to James chapter 2, right, which talks about faith without works is dead. And uh, so it's one of those passages that those who want to share the gospel of Jesus really need to study and make sure they understand properly, because if you preach Jesus as the sacrifice for your sins so that you're saved by faith in him and not by your good works, then almost inevitably one will say, well, hang on, according to James 2, you're not justified by your faith, but by your good works. So how come? Because James is tackling the idea of, uh, of faith that is just credo, that is just belief, just mental assent to an idea. Rather than real trust and action that grows out of trust. Real trust and action that grows out of it. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. And so it's saying faith without works is dead faith. It's a non-existence faith. That's not what we mean by faith, is what he's saying. But show me your faith by your works. See, how can I see whether you believe or not? Well, I see it by what you do. So if I want to say I have turned from my way to God's way, I, I no longer control my life, Christ controls my life, you can see it because I start doing things differently. That's right. If I say I really believe in the government's right to set speed limits, well, you'll see my real belief by the way I drive my car. Yes. yes. If I'm just saying I believe it but drive it twice the All speed I see limit, is the blur as you go past. Yes, well then... I, you know, my belief is not a real belief. That's a phony belief. That's a false belief. That's a dead belief. So something which is really, really trusted, really believed, expresses itself in actions, in actions. rather than being an addition to actions yes. or something else. Yes, it's the outworking of your actions. It's not faith plus works. It's faith that works. Right, right. From all of this conversation we've had so far, this question of aren't all good people Christians is actually bringing out big issues. These are, these are vital issues, Very aren't they? Very big, oh, terrific issues. We're dealing with sin. We're dealing with the judgment of God. We're dealing with the person of Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. We're dealing with faith and the nature of faith. I mean, these are great gospel issues to be dealing with. So it seems to me that one of the things we need to do is we need to do our homework. We need to have actually thought before we hear the question, as to what the options are to go with. Yes. Because one of the things Peter is saying in 3 Peter is, you know, be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. And those first two words, the little Boy Scout slogan, be prepared, <laughs> it's actually saying, yes. do your homework. Do your We're homework. meant to be ready, aren't That's we? Right. If I'm going to preach Jesus and his death on the cross, I've got to be ready for the question, but aren't all good people Christians? Right. 
Yeah. I'm never hearing that question because I'm not actually preaching Jesus and his death on the cross. Or they're not hearing it or something. Oh, they're not hearing it. Yes. Now, if that's the case, that that's going to be the next cab off the rank, well, then I can be prepared for that. And there are some useful books about you know, books on apologetics and books on explaining the gospel and even patterns like Two Ways to Live, which do that for us, don't they? They, they help us do the homework. They do help. I don't think Two Ways to Live is very strong on the good people being Christian or not. Um, uh, but there are books that do it. I used to use John Blanchard's book, Right with God. Right. A lot of people found that a very helpful book in just nailing home this, this issue. The first two studies in Just for Starters. Uh, Which really are about goes, assurance. No, it's about assurance. Because how can... See, if I'm saved by my good works, I can never be sure I'm going to heaven. Because I'm never sure that I've done quite enough good yeah, works. Have I been good enough? Exactly. I mean, I'm good and I'm better than my neighbour, but where's the pass mark? Yes, yes. And so I... I, you know, I'm never sure. And for me to say that I'm sure is presumptive. Yes, yeah. and I can't, can't make That's presumptions proud. about God. No, I yes. can't be proud. Uh, I spoke to a politician once and uh, I used an old question I'd been taught. I said, uh, you know, in your pilgrimage towards God, because he was making a pilgrimage towards God. He had moved from atheistic communism through to a theism. And I said, in your pilgrimage to God, have you reached the stage yet where you could say that you're at peace with God? And he thought for quite some time and said, uh, I don't think you ever can reach that stage. Right. Now, so, so he was saying, I don't know the gospel by any yes. point, yes. Because he's saying, I haven't understood that I'm saved by what the death of Jesus has done for me. I'm saved by what I've got to do. And, and I'm never sure that you could ever do enough to say, I'm at peace with God. Now, the lack of assurance is one of those kind of little hallmarks that they haven't yet understood the gospel of Jesus. So you always come in on the, on the assurance issue. I mean, that's the old question that uh, people have put, you know, if you would die tonight. Why, God says, why should I let you into heaven? What answer would you give? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so as soon as they say, well, because I'm good enough or because I tried or because I... I, I used to say, if you use the word I, because I, you failed. Because you've got your confidence in what you have done. Yes. You've got to say, because Jesus died for me. The person who says, because I, has faith in themselves. The person who says, because Jesus, has faith in Jesus. A lovely girl going out in the mission field that I was preparing, and a very fine woman, a nurse. And I asked her that question, and she said, because I, and I said, you've got it wrong. And she says, no, I haven't. I said, well, I think I have. She said, oh, no, I don't think I have. And I said, well, you've got faith in yourself if you say, because I. And she said, no, I think I've got faith in Jesus. So I said, all right, well, you finish the sentence then. <laughs> she said, well, because I have nothing to plea except the name of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so don't jump in too soon. Don't jump in too soon. Yes, don't be too proud and arrogant as a teacher. So this is something that would be worth doing in your prayer and Bible study group. Rather than being caught by surprise when someone says, oh, all good people are Christians, have it thought out. Have done your homework. Maybe in your prayer and Bible study group you could break up into, you know, into pairs. One person ask the question, the other one have a go at answering, so that you are ready and you're not caught by surprise when it happens. Thank you.